Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, it's so good to be here. Uh, I am Brad Livingston. If I haven't had the honor to meet you yet, I'm the lead pastor here at TC, and we want to say welcome. Um, and we are so excited that you're here today, and we're in our focus series. And so if you weren't with us, uh, again, if you're new, uh, we spent two months going over who we are as a church with the Heart of the House series, and now we're in the focus series. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about you. Not talk about you, that sounds weird, but uh, not like Facebook talk about you, but we're going we're gonna to talk about some things that might help you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, right? So look, look back at him and say, no, 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 for real, you. So listen, we, uh, we want to deal with a little bit about you to, today and this whole series is about focus. We want to focus on us. And, and so uh, how many guys know that we live in an era where rest is at an all-time low and being stressed is at an all-time high? Right, where, where it's like, it kind of feels like the world is set to like bring everything it can against us. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so what, what I want to talk about a little bit today is about this idea of rest. I remember when I was younger, uh, we were kids and uh, we used to go fishing out by this lake. And, and so uh, we lived in Kentucky and we would go fishing out by the lake. And my dad, my whole life has, has always been uh, either the thermometer or the thermostat for how I reacted to things. And so uh, either he was the thermometer in that, like, how he, like, he would react to certain situations. But more often than not, he was the thermostat. And what I mean by that is, how many know in the thermostat you set the temperature, the thermometer is just reading it. And, and so often in my life, he was the thermostat. Like How he responded to things dictated how I responded to things. So if he was freaking out, what was I doing? If he was calm, what was I, how was I? Calm, right? <laughs> like maybe sometimes. But So he, if he was calm, I was calm. So I remember we went fishing one time. And, and so uh, we, uh, we're out on this John boat. I was probably four. And all of a sudden, I'm looking this way, and my dad and the other person who was with us looking the other way, and I'm just chilling. I don't know what I was doing at four years old. I was probably eating dirt or something. I don't know. But I remember a snake got in the boat. Exactly. So I remember sitting there, and uh, I was like, hey, Dad. He was like, hold on a second. And I was like, nah. Nah, we need to deal with this right now. That was not what I said, but I was, I was like, hey, Dad. He's like, hold on. I'm like, no. Like, Dad. He finally was like, what? He turns around and sees a snake there. And he was, and I was, I had already decided in my mind, like how he responds to this, how I'm going to respond. I was only four, but I still remember this vividly. And uh, how I was like, so he was, he was super calm. He's like, just don't move. And I was like, uh, all right. And so he, he said, don't move. And so he, and I don't know if this was the right move or not looking back on it, but this is what he did. He grabbed the paddle for the boat and he hit, like jabbed at the snake and cut it in half. Now, if you've ever seen a snake before, they can live after they're cut in half. Therefore, thinking back on it, it still could have bit me. But whatever. So, but I remember thinking about the situation and realizing, like, man, my dad was, like, he was calm, therefore I was calm. But had he been freaking out, you know what, I'd have flipped that whole boat over. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just, it would have been the same thing. as how You know how you turn into a ninja when you walk through a spider web? Like that thing? That's what I would have done in the boat. So, but I remember thinking to myself, like, man, okay, he's calm, I'm calm. Now, what, I, what some of us need to realize in life is 
We are oftentimes stressing out and freaked out over times when God, who is our father, is extremely calm. How often do we find ourselves in situations or circumstances or uh, in financial things or whatever, maybe stresses of the world where we're freaking out? And God's saying, I just wish you would look at me because I can be the thermostat for your life and I'm all calm. What you can't see is three days from now, I'm going to provide something supernatural. I'm gonna, something's going to hit your bank account you didn't know was coming. What you don't know, there's going to be a check in your mailbox next week, and you don't know what's coming, and you're going to freak out for the next six days, but on that seventh day, I'm going to do something amazing in your life. And God has a way of coming through, doesn't he, guys? Those of you that have experienced God's goodness, you know sometimes you, sometimes you feel like he came a day too late. But God always comes through with us when we're in a covenant with him and we're resting in him. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of rest. And Paul, man, Paul goes out of his way to show us what rest really looks like. In Philippians 3, 3 through 7, he says this, guys. He's talking about, how, he's talking about his accomplishments. He says, you know my pedigree. Talking about, you know my, my makeup. You know where I come from. He said, I, I was a, a legitimate birth. I was circumcised on the eighth day as they should have been in that time. I'm an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, where the kings come from, a strict and devout adherent to God's teachings. Matter of fact, I learned from Galileo, he was a legend. I'm a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church when I felt like they were wrong. A meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. The very credential that these people are waving around as something special He said, I'm tearing all that up to take out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. You see, what Paul realized in Philippians 3 is none of the things that we used to take credit for, none of the things that used to mean a lot to me matter anymore. You know what matters? God. And hear me for a second. For some of us, all the things we take credit for, all the things that we think we're awesome because of, all the things that uh, we think gives us the right to live a blessed life or have these things. Can I tell you something? We have to look to Paul in Philippians 3 to realize none of them mean anything. And the only thing that means something is Jesus. Now, does that mean that none of them actually mean anything? I think what he's talking about there is none of them mean, none of them mean anything in the shadow of Jesus. Hear me for a second. Your job can change tomorrow, but Jesus is going to be here forever. Your difficulties can turn into blessings tomorrow, but Jesus is going to be here forever. So hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that nothing in your life matters. I'm saying when Jesus is at the top of the mountain, everything else rests in his shadow. And so we want to talk about God today and how he is our portion. Say portion which means that he's more than enough. He's our source. Say source. So he, he's enough. God is our portion, and our source. And we're actually going to point out a number of areas in the Bible where it talks about that today. We're going to start at first, uh, I'm sorry, Psalms 119.57, where it says that you are my, say that word with me, portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. This is David talking here. He says, you're my portion. First Corinthians 8.6 says, Yet for us, there is only one God, the Father, who is the, say it again, source of all things and for whom we have life. 
And so God goes out of his way to say he's, at our, source, he's our source. Joshua 1, 7 through 8 is like our theme verse for this series because it talks about this idea that if you do these things, then God gives you these things. And we're gonna go there real quickly. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all of the law that my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or the left so that you may be successful. Say successful. How many of y'all know you could rest more if you were successful? How many know if your bank account felt successful, you could rest some more? Ayo. Some of us, if our diet was more successful, I mean, I can eat pizza and still lose weight. That's what I meant when I said, no, anyways. But he says, you'll be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be fearful to do everything in it. Say that word with me next. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So God is in a constant state of saying, man, if you do all these things, these doors open up for you. And so we want to talk to you a little bit today about rest. Turn your neighbor and say rest. So we want to talk to you about the ABCs of rest. The first one is you got to focus on your source of approval. You got to focus on your source of approval. How many guys know as a society, we celebrate all the wrong stuff? How many, how many of y'all know we celebrate all the wrong? We got Instagram people that got a million followers, therefore for famous, they're famous and they're talentless and they got no skills and can do nothing, but they got followers, so they're famous. Like we celebrate people that have nothing to show for it. Like we, we make TV shows out of like keeping up with the Kardashians and I'm not here to bash the Kardashians. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying we've made celebrities out of people that do nothing. And we celebrate all the wrong stuff. You want to know what's impressive to me? Consistency. Not great feats, but how about small, consistent moments? Have any of you ever looked on someone's Instagram and saw two people in a marriage and they post a picture, right? And they're like in Dubai or something, hugging each other. And you think to yourself, man, I wish I had a marriage like that. What you don't realize is they hate each other. They, they got to do one thing, and because they look happy doing one thing, you think they're happy all the time doing everything. And what we've done is we've made it our mission to get approval from people that don't really matter. Did you know that since social media has come on the scene, depression has gone up over 800%? You want to know why? Because we're more concerned about what people we never talk to think about us than we are the people that we used to talk to think about us. Lamentations 3.24 says this, I say to myself, the Lord is my, say it with me, portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. In other words, what people think don't matter. What other people have to say don't matter. Listen, the Lord is my portion. I'm going to wait for him. And hear me for a second. For some of us, our anxiety and our depression is at an all-time high because we're comparing our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. We're looking on Instagram and Facebook and we post something. And if we don't get enough likes, we feel worse about us. And what Facebook, what the internet in general has to do, you want to know what it's done? It's giving people that don't need to have any voice a very loud one. Where everyone has an opinion. How many of y'all know everybody don't need an opinion? How many of y'all know, and if everyone has one, everyone definitely doesn't need to voice it. And here's what we tend to do. And hear me for a second. This is for somebody. Like this, this what I'm about to say. If you don't get nothing else, get this. Some of you 
are looking to the people that hurt you the worst to give you the most approval. Some of you are looking to the people that hurt you the worst and hoping for the best from them. And if they hurt you that bad before, stop thinking they're going to change their tune now. We have to start looking to the only place that our approval can come from, and that's Jesus. He thought enough of you to die for you. You may not see his likes show up on your Instagram page, but you can bet your life he's waiting for you in heaven. Why? Because our approval shouldn't be coming from what people think about us. They should be coming from what God thinks about us. We can rest more if we'll start getting off the apps more. That's good. Y'all can do whatever you want with it. So we have to change where we get our source of approval. Next, we've got to focus on our source of blessing. So your source of Blessing. Now, we don't talk about money a lot here at TC, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today. Since 65% of divorces in the church and in the world, and 65% of the divorces happen because of financial stress. How many of y'all have been stressed over finances? How many of y'all ever tried to have the conversation with maybe your spouse about finances and it turns into the you, you did this game? Me and, my, me and my wife were talking about finances in the car the other day. I really didn't need you to raise your hand. I'm sorry I set you up for that. You're going to have something to do with that later. Um, but I, me and my wife were riding in the car the other day, and we were talking about finances. So we were just talking about how we can get better with our finances, stuff like that. And, and before you know it, it can turn into, well, if you would stop. Like, listen, honey, that's not what we're talking about right now. Okay? But how many of y'all know? Now, that didn't happen in our conversation. <laughs> But financial stress is one of the greatest reasons to lose rest. Can I get an amen? It keeps you up at night. It causes arguments and difficult conversations. Why? Because we're looking to everywhere else that isn't our source to become the blessing, and we stop looking to the only one that is our source. And we got to refocus on the source of our blessing. So we're going to play a game real quick. How many, so who wants to help me out with playing a game today? Anybody? Anybody? Who is this? I can't see who's in front of me. Who's raising hands? Is that Chris? Chris? Chris, I'm not picking you. You were here last service. Who wants to play a game? Somebody that was here last service. Raise your hand. Who's this over here? I can't see you. Come on down. Come on down. I don't know who you are. Come on down. Put your hands together for him or her. I can't, really can't see. Oh, he's young. Oh, this is going to be good. Put your hands together for him one more time as he's coming up here. All right. So we have a, we have a little game we're going to play here. Now, it's going to be a little harder for you because you're young, but we're going to let you play anyways because I like you. All right. So here's what we have here. We have a few things, right? And so what you're going to do is step over here for me so they can see this table. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to play a game called Pick Your Prize. All right. There we go. All right. All right. So here's what we're going to do. I'm putting a few things out here so that you can see what all we have for you in regards to prizes, all right? So we've got a house that is $5. We've got a Disney vacation for $2, all right? We've got a BMW concept car for $3, okay? Fly, look at him, he's said, yeah, that's the one. All right, so here's what we're gonna do, because Oh, and we've got a MacBook Pro, iPad, and a phone for $1, okay? Truck and a boat for $4, a degree for $2, 
a scuba diving trip in the Bahamas for $2. And then you don't have kids, right? Okay, yeah, okay. (laughs) That was a dangerous situation I put you in right there. Okay, so so for $1, let's say you can also have all the, anytime you're going to play sports for the rest of your life, you got $1, all right? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you $10. Now you get to buy whatever, you got 60 seconds. They're going to run a clock for us. You got 60 seconds, and you got to pick whatever you want for 60 seconds. You got $10 to spend. You ready? All right, go ahead. You want the degree? All right, pay for me. Pay, pay me as you go. $2 for the degree. All right, you can play. You can play. All right, sports. You got to get the Beamer for three. Okay. Now, you ain't got nowhere to live. I'm just letting you know. I'm helping you out. This is a life lesson. The house is five, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Reevaluate. That's a good move. Good job, Mom. All right. So you want to trade the sports in for the Beamer? Is that what you're doing? You don't want that. You want the house for five. Okay, what do you got left? $2? That's a dollar. All right. You got one left. You want to get an extra... You gonna say you wanna get an extra you can get a how about a MacBook Pro and the phone? You can give me another dollar. Alright, boom, done. Alright, that's ten dollars. Alright. Now, here's a question I have for you. What if I told you? Because what, what we're talking about for a second is tithing. Right? Now, I, I know this has a bad stigma on it. What I'm trying to I'm trying to just teach you something. Can y'all bear with me for a second? Because what happens is we lose we, we don't understand how tithing works, therefore, all we do is think that churches are trying to get money. And that's not it. Number one, I don't want anything from you. This is something I want for you. And so what God says, and we'll read it in Malachi in a second, but here's what I'm, I'm going to ask my man here. You got, you gave me $10 and you picked out your degree, sports, a house, uh, and then some electronics and stuff, right? That's what you wanted. What if I told you out of the 10, I'm going to give this back to you. If you give me $1, which is 10%, that means you're going to have to give up something here but if you give me $1, I'm going to give you something else back. Does that sound like a good trade? He said, man, it just depends on what you're giving back, right? That's what, that's what you're thinking. What if I told you to, that if you gave me a dollar, I'm going to give you more money back that you could spend? That sound like a deal? You might be, well, that's a good point. So here's the thing. You give me $1, and I'll give you 10 more. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's simple. You give me a dollar, I give you ten more. It's 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 not like a trick. I promise. There you go. Now, now you get now you got technically nineteen dollars because you gave me one. What if I told you if you gave me two more dollars, we could do this. We could keep doing this the whole time. You down to give me two more dollars? It sounds like a no-brainer, right? Come on and give me that two dollars. I see. You. I can see it in your eyes. Now, that would mean I could give you another ten. Then you, you give, but then I give back to you, right? So this is actually what it looks like to tithe. Since God is our source of blessing and his bank account never runs dry, when we tithe, we're giving him 10%, but guess what it gives him the opportunity to give to us? More. And so he says, bring this to me. So we bring it to him, then he gives back to us more. So then what do we do? We give him more, which gives him a chance to give back to us more. Like, and this is what tithing is. 
There you go, man. You can keep all that. Go ahead. Oh, yep, go ahead, bro. <laughs> give it, give, put your hands for him one time, all right? I want to jump over to Malachi chapter 3 because this is where God talks about tithing. Now, hear me. For some of you, financial stress wears you down so much that you can't sleep at night. And I'm showing you the blueprint that God gives us for what it looks like to tithe. Because some people come to us and say, Pastor, I don't know if I can. I don't even know what that looks like. How does it work? I don't even, and, and quite frankly, some of us say, I just don't know if I have the faith. Like, I know what I got to pay and I know what I got left. And if I tithe, I don't got enough for what I got to pay. Anybody been there before? And God says, I'm gonna sh- I want to show you why that is. Let's go to Malachi chapter three for a minute, all right? And the Lord says, I will forgive you, but you say we haven't gone anywhere. All right, so this is God talking to his people, people talking back. And God says, will a man rob God? Surely not, but you have robbed me. So they look back at God and say, what do you mean? When did we rob you? And God says, you have robbed me of the tithes and offerings that were due to me. And so the awesome curse of God is cursing you for your whole nation has been robbing me. Are you ready? In Malachi 3, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Where is the storehouse? Just so you know, the storehouse is your church where you get fed each day, which means if you're visiting from out of town today, your tithe doesn't belong here. It belongs somewhere else. You can give an offering here, but your tithe belongs to your storehouse. You with me today? He says, you bring it to my temple, and if you do, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to contain it. How many of y'all are like, yes, I want my name on that list? Because I got plenty of room and not enough blessing yet to contain. I can contain a lot right now, Lord. So here's what he says, and and I want to just pause for a second. The curse that he's talking about there, this, this is written in the Old Testament. Now, tithing is still a New Testament principle. You can go to Matthew, and it'll show you that. But the curse isn't alive today because the Bible says that Jesus destroyed every curse on the cross. How many of y'all are grateful for that? But he says he destroyed every curse. So now it's not the curse that God brings against you, but there's, there is something. How many of you noticed that regardless of how much you love the Lord, it feels like something's eating away at your finances sometimes? This is why. Try it. Let me prove it to you. And your, co- your crops will be large for I will guard them from insects and plagues. Some translations say a devourer that's trying to steal it. Your grapes won't shrivel before they, uh, before they ripen. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will, be a, uh, you will be a land sparkling with happiness. And these are the promises of the Lord. So here's what happens, though. When we tithe, not only are we opening up the opportunity for God to give back to us like he promised, But there's also this idea, how many guys know when you buy the house, then you got to pay for the stuff that breaks in the house? How many know when you buy the car, then you got to pay for the stuff that breaks on the car? And what God says is, with all your earnings, what you don't realize is as you obtain things, there's, a, there's the enemy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, right? The Bible says he's prowling around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, right? So he's out to get you, but not just get you, he's out to rob the rest from you. How does he rob your rest? By making you stressed. How do you get stressed? By not having enough. And God says he'll put you in a position where the enemy that's trying to sneak in and break things and take things and mess things up for you, he'll put a hedge around your house so that the enemy can't get in to keep you spending and doing all the things to stay maintained, you'll actually be able to rest in the things God has given you. 
That's what tithing does for you. It's, listen, I'm not promising you a yacht tomorrow. That's not what I'm talking about. How many of you right now would acknowledge in your heart, you don't have to raise your hand, you say, God, I don't even necessarily need more things if I could just be protected from what feels like the enemy attacking all the things. And tithing does that too. Psalms 16.5 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. He's our portion and he makes us secure. So I knew that tithing is always kind of a difficult thing. So rather than me talk to you all about it, I wanted to let someone in our church who had questions, because how many of us have had questions before? Like, I don't know about this. So rather than me talk to you about it, I figured I'd let someone in our church tell you their story of how they came into tithing, because it wasn't one they just accepted. They had questions. So let's have a look, guys, at Jackie's video. My name is Jackie Radford. I haven't, I haven't had a drink of alcohol since June 20th of 2015, so over four years. My relationship with Pastor Dan at one time and now Pastor Brad is, is huge in, in that part of my life. The right moment that it clicked with me that tithing was the right thing. Well, you know, I've, I've heard about it my whole life, and I, and I, but I never understood it. You know, you hear it every Sunday and it, it led to some confusion. So I asked Pastor Dan Livingston, I was like, Pastor Dan, can we talk about this? Because I don't understand. I get it, you know, the 10%, I understand. But Pastor, I have a calculator and I know what bills are and adding and subtracting. How do you do that? I can't do that. And he said, well, don't start at 10%. You know, you start where your heart tells you to start. Pray and you let God lead you to what you should be doing and go from there and watch everything around you grow as well. I can't remember how many years at that time it was, but it was 30 plus years of ministry. He said he has never seen the tithing system fail anyone. So after I started tithing, uh, our workload increased, our ability to take care of our employees better, like we've always wanted to do, that ability increased as well. Our pay scale has gotten better. Things that we're able to do for our very deserving employees has been great, and that's a good feeling to have. And, and you know, I guess it goes back to, like I said, that that's the thing I prayed for. I didn't pray for my bank account to swell up and, and this drive a Ferrari. I prayed to be able to do better by those employees. My life now that I'm trusting God with the tithing, it's more at peace. Um, do I still worry about finances? Of course, I'm a human being, but at the end of the day, I know in my mind that, that God has me. First thing I would tell anyone who is hesitant about tithing is talk to someone. Use your relationships that you develop in small groups and, and talk to them. Um, don't be scared to open up and talk and ask questions to maybe the more experienced people that we have at Transformation Church, um, even if it's one of the pastors, because I don't think I would have ever came around and been able to understand if it was not for my conversation with Pastor Dan. I think the biggest thing God has done in my life is establish trust in Him whatever it is. I have developed that trust to where I he automatically turned to him when that wasn't me in the past. You know, you know no, I don't, I don't need anybody. I got this. And now it's automatic. No, it doesn't matter what the issue is. Even if it's not a problem, it's just something I want to share with God. I, I have developed that relationship where he's the first person I turn to. So that I think is the biggest thing God has done for my life is develop the trust in my heart. Absolutely. Jackie's story is incredible. And, and uh, he told me many times, he's like, man, if you ever want someone to talk to everybody else about how tithing works, not, not, I mean, we're not trying to get, listen, hear me today. I'm not trying to get something from you. All right. Uh, our church has been here for a little while. 
Do we, do we need people to tithe? Yes, including myself and my wife. We tithe here. But the reason we do it <laughs> is because we want to live a blessed life. How many of y'all would want to live a life of blessing and abundance? And when God gives us a blueprint, remember, go back to Joshua 1 that we read earlier. If you do these things, then you can be blessed. Then I will make you a prosperous and successful people. And so we need to focus on our source of blessing so that as we give, we get to have it given back to us in a greater measure. So we have approval. We got to focus on our source of approval. We got to focus on our source of blessing. And then lastly, we got to focus on our source of celebration. Focus on our source of celebration. What is it that we celebrate in life? What is it that, what is it that we, when we look at it, we, we celebrate how great it is? Well, Paul has some things to say about that. And, and honestly, the first time I read this and the first time I kind of heard this portion of a message from John Piper, I was like, what, what is he talking about? And as he broke it down, I said, man, that's, I think there's so many people who aren't rested because they're not looking at the place where rest comes from. So let's go to Galatians 6.14 as we get ready to wrap up today. Paul says in Galatians 6.14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And that world boast there means that it's the act of taking excessive pride and self-satisfaction is what boast means. So the act of taking excessive pride and self-satisfaction. So Paul says, may we never boast. May we, may, may we never take pride in anything except for the cross of Jesus Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying, to take it from a negative to a positive, Paul's saying, you should only ever take pride in the cross of Jesus. Not your accomplishments, not the things that you've done, not the things that you have, not any of this stuff, not your house, not your car, not, not your kids, not your health, not any of those things. He says, you should only take pride in the cross. And so I read through my Bible and as I started reading my Bible, I see like multiple times where Paul says that it shows that he's rejoicing and he's boasting and he's doing it in the church and he's doing it in people and he's doing it in Timothy. He's doing it in a lot of areas. We see him boasting. And so the question comes down to like, well, where, where, where do we start to boast then? Because Paul boasts, but then he says never to boast. And I think what Paul's actually talking about there is that not that we shouldn't boast, but that any rejoicing, say rejoicing. I want to replace boasting for rejo with rejoicing for a second. Any rejoicing that you do should be a reminder of what you should be celebrating, and that's Jesus. Every celebration you have, every, every step that you can take, every breath that you can breathe, every move that you can make. I was going to play like a sting and puffy song, you know what I mean? Like every move you make, I'll be watching you type thing, but Faith Evans in the background. Anyways, but... What, what, Paul, what Paul is saying is, is that everything that we celebrate should actually be Jesus. That it, when, when we celebrate 
our job, the only reason we can have our job is because Jesus gave us the grace to have the job. We shouldn't celebrate our house because had it not been for Jesus and the grace afforded to us, we wouldn't be able to have the house. Everything we have, everything we do, every move that we make and every opportunity to wake up with a new day, to go into a world and show them the love of Jesus, the only reason you have it is because Jesus chose to give it to you through the cross. The only reason you breathe today is because Jesus is letting you breathe. The only reason you can smile and hear me for a second, the only things that you celebrate in your life, you celebrate them because Jesus lets you celebrate them. The only reason you can celebrate your car, your job, your bank account. The only reason we can celebrate the fact that Krispy Kreme finally figured out how to put chocolate inside the donut. Come on. The only reason that we can celebrate any of those things is because of the cross. You see, God saw it fit not to just save us, but to even give us a world where we can feel things and feel love and feel the joy. Two days ago, I sat next to the grave of my son. If you're new, my baby boy passed away last year. And in that moment, I was... I had just a moment of anger in my heart towards the Lord because sorrow and grief creates pain and pain creates anger. And I, I just, I sat next to his grave and said, God, why? He didn't answer that question. But I felt like he told me this. He said, you may not understand this now. But what you have to understand is my love for you is not dictated by your circumstances. It's dictated at the cross. Because had Jesus not gone to that cross, your pain would last forever. Had Jesus not given his life for Jabin and for you, you'd never see him again. But God loves us so much that our pain and our circumstances, our struggles and everything that happens in our life, it doesn't have to last forever. There's an end date on your struggle where all things the Bible says are made brand new. There's an end date on your pain and your anger and your anxiety and your depression where all things are made brand new again, where you get a new body and a new mind. And there's a coming day where all the things of this world are wiped away. And I think what Paul was talking about in Galatians isn't that we, should we shouldn't celebrate these things that are great. It's not that we shouldn't celebrate health or our children or our house. It's that every opportunity you get to celebrate these things, it should cause your attention to look straight at the cross of Jesus Christ where he gave his life for you so that you could have a new life in him. And as we look to Jesus where he made all things new, he said, I'm gonna lay my life down here so that you can have purpose and blessing and approval and celebration and joy and peace 
and joy and celebration and joy, hear me today, that God wants to pour joy into your life. He wants to pour a celebration into your life where the things that come around you and the things that happen to you don't knock you off track from seeing how good God is in and through your life. God is your source. God is your portion. And he's never had a bad thought in mind about you other than the time that sin came into your life. And even then he saw Jesus dying for you and I. And today, God wants joy for you. Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You wanna know what we should do? Let everything in our life cause us to look to the cross and celebrate who Jesus is. In Philippians 3, Paul says that he hasn't obtained it all. The people that he's talking to said, I hadn't figured all this out. But in verse 12, he says, I'm forgetting what's behind me. He says that I'm pressing on towards the prize that God has for me. And for some of you, whether it's approval, whether it's blessing, or whether it's celebration, or maybe it's something else, those three areas in your life, God wants to give you rest there, but you're only gonna find rest there at the foot of the cross where you surrender everything that matters to you to him. And he says, in me, when you find joy, you find joy that's eternal. And when you, in me, when you find rest, you find rest that never ends because I am everything you'll ever need. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. And we love you today. God, we thank you that you're our portion. We thank you that you give us rest. We thank you that you love us. We look to you. God, we celebrate you today. Jesus, we celebrate the cross. If you're in this room today, you don't know God. Maybe you know about God, but you don't, you don't have a relationship with him. When Jesus went to that cross, he paid for the only thing that's separating you from God, and that's your sin. And today, if you're ready for God to bring you close, if you're ready for a fresh start, you're ready for a new beginning, you're ready for Jesus to put you on a new track of life, of joy, of approval, blessing, and celebration. If that's you today, I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna point you out, neither is my team. We just wanna pray for you today. And if that's you, you're ready for Jesus to give you a fresh start, forgiveness of your sins and a new beginning. Would you raise your hand right where you sit and say, that's me, pastor, I need a fresh start. Yes, awesome. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Like I said, we're not here to embarrass you. We just wanna pray with you today. Is there more that says, that's me, pastor. I'm ready for a new beginning. I'm ready for a, a fresh start. Awesome. Maybe you're watching us online. You say, that's me, pastor. I'm ready for a new start. I'm ready for a new beginning. Awesome. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer together. I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer after me. And as you repeat after me, you're putting words to the actions of your heart that you're putting your faith in Jesus that he paid for your sins. Church, let's pray it with our brothers and sisters so they're not praying by themselves. So let's all pray together. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later through your life, 
through your death and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that, perhaps for the first time, and we celebrate with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.